it's not like Bernie Sanders was some Mexican activist, Cesar Chavez type from California or Texas. He was a white 78-year-old Jewish man from Vermont. And we made history with the Latino vote. From NPR and Futuro Media, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Today, how the Sanders campaign harnessed a Latino electorate that is now up in the air. I wish I could give you better news, but I think you know the truth. Senator Bernie Sanders dropped out of the Democratic race for president on April 8th. For the second election cycle in a row, he put up a surprising effort in the primaries. And while we are winning the support of so many young people and working people throughout the country, I have concluded that this battle for the Democratic nomination will not be successful. This time around, his campaign had been written off before the voting had even started. Sanders mounted an unlikely comeback, winning key early states like New Hampshire. Let me take this opportunity to thank the people of New Hampshire for a great victory tonight. A self-described democratic socialist, Sanders created a movement based on his signature issues, Medicare for all, raising the minimum wage, and free college tuition. We're not only going to defeat Trump, we're going to transform the United States of America. But by the time he dropped out, he was facing an insurmountable lead by former Vice President Joe Biden. Sanders won nine contests out of more than 30 primaries and caucuses that have voted so far. And when he won, Sanders won big, especially in places like Nevada and California. And according to three networks in the AP, we have now won the Nevada caucus. An important part of his early success was the support Sanders received from many Latino voters across the country. He won the support of some 55% of Latinx voters who account for nearly 40% of California's population. Reporter Giseli Regatao has been following Latino voters in Pennsylvania since January. We talked to her to see what she learned about Latino voters in a swing state that could play a decisive role in the general elections and what might happen to these voters now that Sanders is out of the race. Giseli Regatao, welcome to Latino USA. Hi, Maria. So... I've always been fascinated by Pennsylvania because it is one of these key swing states. And I've been watching Pennsylvania demographics and Latinos and Latinas for a long time. But how is it that you, Giseli, end up deciding to focus on Latino voters in 2020 in Pennsylvania? It's interesting, Maria, because Pennsylvania went for Trump in the last election, but he won there by a very thin margin. He won by less than 1%, which was about 40,000 votes. And Latinos are growing a lot in the state. There are more than 400,000 eligible Latino voters in the state of Pennsylvania. So here is a state where Latinos could really play a big role. 
Originally, the primaries in Pennsylvania was supposed to happen in the end of April, April 28th. So I started going there in uh, January because I wanted to start to get to know voters. And I also wanted to see what were campaigns doing there at that point. So you, you got a sense that the campaigns understood specifically the importance of Latino voters or exactly what did you find that showed up in your reporting? Yeah, it's a big state. So I decided to focus on two counties in particular because they are counties that were closely divided in the last election. And they are also both counties with a growing Latino population. So they are the counties of Lehigh that went for uh, Hillary and the county of Berks, which went for Trump. So I spoke to a lot of voters and there are two in particular that stood out to me. One of them is Daniel Natal. Um, His parents are of Puerto Rican descent. They actually used to live in New York, and they moved to that area 28 years ago. I'm what, well, my title here is the director of facilities. Daniel is head of maintenance at a charter high school in Reading. So I'm responsible. I'm on call 24-7. So when I first met him in February, I asked him if he already knew who he was going to vote for. And here's what he told me. Um, I, I do not mind, uh, Bernie, Bernie Sanders, um, the other candidates, I'm up in the air, uh, they, they all have their pros and cons like anything else. So I asked him, what are the issues he cares about? Uh, he told me he cares about health care and he liked uh, Bernie's health care for all plan. But he told me the economy was actually his main issue. So, you know, economic growth, you know, making sure we can get people out of poverty. I do feel, especially here in this area, we definitely need a um, increase as far as um, wages. That's an interesting thing. I learned the city of Reading, where Danielle lives, is one of the poorest cities in the country. It's actually number seven, according to the census. More than 35% of the residents there live in poverty, and about 67% of the city is Latino. So some people might say, what's going on with Pennsylvania and Latinos? Just to get a sense, you have to imagine that if Puerto Ricans were the largest Latino, Latina population in New York City for many decades, in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s and 2000s, many Puerto Ricans were moving out of the neighborhoods and they were making the decision to move about an hour, an hour and a half, maybe two hours away from New York City. And that's why the population starts growing out there in these regions that are actually much closer to New York City than people imagine. Absolutely. And actually, another voter I spoke with, uh, her family has a longer history in the state. So her name is Delia Marrero. She's a single mom. She has two teenage daughters. And she grew up in the city of Bethlehem. So all of this, the majority of everybody who lives here are Puerto Ricans. She's the manager of operations at a nonprofit in Bethlehem. And she's third generation Puerto Rican. Now may I ask who you voted for in the last election? Hillary. <laughs> I had to think. It was, it's been a while. Yeah, no, I voted for Hillary. And she paused for a second, and I was like, wait, you're not sure? She's like, no, no. I was trying to think which last election we were talking about. 2016. Yes, I voted for Hillary. Now, how about in the primary? I voted for Bernie Sanders. Okay. Yes. Who are you voting for now? I have no idea. I was surprised. I thought she was going to say Bernie Sanders. I just, at this point, it's like, who has the better chance of beating Trump? 
And back then in January, she said she had no idea who that would be. So you were speaking with these two voters before a single vote had been cast in the primaries. This is way back in January when there was a very crowded Democratic field still. So did you stay in touch with them as the primaries started to take off? Yes, because some of the voters I spoke with uh, were not sure who they were going to vote for, I kept checking in with them. You know, every new development, I would call them back and say, how about now? So after February, this first um, caucus, Bernie came really strong. But I imagine the results will be announced. And when those results are announced, I have a good feeling we're going to be doing very, very well here in Iowa. So I spoke to Delia, and at that point, she told me she was still undecided. You know, I'm still looking at things, but I'll, Bernie's camp is the only one that seems to be reaching out via text message very, like, regularly. Danielle Natal, our other voter here, also got texts from Bernie's campaign. Yes, myself. Um, I've gotten a text message. I guess my phone number must be on some sort of a call list. They definitely reached out to me. Um, I haven't gotten from any other candidates. I mean, this is something that I heard a lot when I was covering, for example, the Nevada primaries late February and the reporting that was coming out of California um, when Sanders won that primary in that state was that, you know, the Bernie Sanders campaign was really developing a very strategic effort to reach and touch, do a high-touch uh, connection with Latino and Latina voters, you know, many of these communities are simply not on the radar. So you must have seen this and just said, wow, this is this is part of the story. Yes, and this is very new. We often talk about Latinos don't vote as much as other groups or vote less than other groups. But what really happens is that campaigns rarely try to talk to Latinos to get them to vote. I spoke to a researcher in this field, uh, Lisa Garcia Bedoya. She's a political scientist at the uh, University of California, Berkeley. She's author of several books on get out the vote efforts. And she told me that campaigns, they look at something called propensity scores, which is what is the likelihood from zero to 100 that someone would vote in a particular election? Uh, often campaigns only contact people who score over 70 and Latino voters on average have lower propensity scores. So here's a community that is often poor. They might be immigrants like myself or their parents might be immigrants, which means, you know, maybe your parents don't vote. Maybe you didn't grow up voting. And campaigns, they tend to talk to people who already vote. Because they have limited resources and they want to get the most bang for their buck. And so Latino voters, they just won't show up on the radar screens of those campaigns. Lisa says in the rare occasions that they are contacted, it works. Particularly, she told me, when they have live conversations with campaigns at their doorsteps or on the phone. So, Giselle, you know, you're witnessing this as it's actually happening. You're reporting on the ground in Pennsylvania. You're hearing from Latino Latina voters that the only candidate that is actually connecting with them consistently via text is Bernie Sanders. So give us a sense of um, how much this was a very intentional part of the Sanders strategy and what it actually looked like as you got deeper into, um, into these conversations with these voters. 
Yeah, very, very intentional. Actually, Maria, I reached out to all candidates and the only one that got back to me and was able to schedule an interview was Bernie Sanders' <laughs> campaign. And I spoke to his senior advisor, Chuck Rocha, and what he told me is that he thought the Latino electorate was front and center. Latinos will be the most important electorate in the state of Pennsylvania. And this is another reason why hiring brown consultants or having Latinos on your leadership matters. Because the other campaigns will find out about this late. Or they'll find out by listening to this podcast and they won't understand how to take advantage of the opportunities that are there with the Latino vote. Yeah, when I first called him, it was actually right before the caucus in Iowa. He was in a hotel there and he told me they had been working in Iowa for months already. The first time that we did paid outreach to any voter in Iowa, it was to Latinos and it was in Spanish and in English. The first time we talked to any voters in South Carolina before we talked to anybody was Latino voters. The first time we talked to any voters in Nevada, it was Latinos and we talked to them first. And then we've been talking to them constantly now for almost nine months. Coming up on Latino USA, we continue our conversation with reporter Giselle Regatao about Latinx voters in Pennsylvania. Stay with us. No te vayas. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as isolation, depression, stress, anxiety, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment when you need professional help. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Visit BetterHelp.com Latino to learn more and get 10% off your first month. COVID-19 has upended our lives, shaken us from all sense of security. When it comes to pandemics, we just are in this cycle of panic and complacency. We'll see if this one puts an end to that. I'm Anoush Zamarodi. How can we protect ourselves against future global outbreaks? That's on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Subscribe or listen now. Hey, we're back, and we've been talking today with reporter Giseli Regatao, who has been following Latino and Latina voters in Pennsylvania since January. We're going to continue that conversation now. So, Giseli, you know, with all of this kind of pre-planning, thoughtfulness, strategic thinking, on-the-ground, you know, connections, and all of this, this support, certainly from Latinos and Latinas growing across the country— what happened to the Bernie Sanders campaign? I think there were several factors, and it is true he did get the Latino vote, but he failed to get the African-American vote, which is very important for any Democratic nominee. Then it was a very crowded field. 
And when the more moderate candidates dropped out after Super Tuesday, so Buttigieg, Klobuchar and Bloomberg, and they all supported Biden, it became, you know, a much more complicated race for for Bernie. Uh, Biden became much stronger. And then, of course, COVID-19 happened and that changed the campaign completely. The 2020 presidential campaign has fundamentally changed amid the coronavirus pandemic, with candidates straining to reach voters virtually and state and federal officials now rethinking how to hold an election during an outbreak. It is definitely true that Bernie's path to victory required a really high turnout primary. But even before COVID-19, that hadn't really materialized. But I actually asked that question to uh, Lisa Garcia Bedoya from UC Berkeley after Bernie dropped out. While it is true that the shelter-in-place orders made it very difficult for him to make up the ground that he had lost, he was already in a downward trajectory before those changes happened. And I think it really speaks to the fact that he wasn't able to expand his appeal beyond the core folks that had been supporting him. And then we all know what happened next. And so today I am announcing the suspension of my campaign. Please know that I do not make this decision lightly. In fact, it has been a very difficult and painful decision. And of course, that was huge news when Bernie Sanders decided for all of these complicated reasons. But you pick up the phone, you speak to the voters out there in Pennsylvania. What did they tell you about what they thought about Bernie dropping out of the race right now? Well, I got different reactions from Dahlia and Daniel. I talked to them both that same day, and he was a bit disappointed. Well, just so I was definitely um, surprised. Um, I mean, we're left with... Uh Joe Biden now. So that, that, that's it. <laughs> Delia had a different reaction. She told me that it wasn't totally unexpected for her. That made me a little sad. Um, but I think I, I kind of expected it. Just because Biden seems to ha- be taking the lead in other primaries. What about those people who were working inside the Sanders campaign? Have you been in touch with them? Yeah, I call back Chuck Rocha. He's uh, Bernie's senior political advisor. Um, You know, I've started the call saying I was sorry about Bernie dropping out, and he was clearly upset. Um, He's a very lively person, usually, um, and I could see like he was subdued. And then I asked him about, you know, what's going to happen next? Are you potentially going to work for Biden? Are you in touch with Biden? I don't know what Biden, I don't talk to Joe Biden. Like, I don't know what they will do. It's too early to talk about, you know, us working with Joe Biden. Like, uh, Bernie just got out today. And he said he had a lot of work to do in general to get Latinos to vote. I have been working for lots of organizations, though, that are going to be working to get Latinos out at every level of the campaigns, like I have done every cycle for the last 12 years. But looking back at the campaign, uh, what's interesting is that he said, is now Bernie is not what he would picture as a Latino friendly candidate. You know, he's older, he's white from Vermont. That what makes this story even more powerful is that if we could do that with Bernie Sanders, we can do that with other folks if they'll just spend the time to go know the community and hire the community. So now what are Delia and Daniel saying about going out and actually voting, which is the most important part? Everything leads up to, will they open that door, walk out the door and go stand in line to vote. So what did they tell you? 
So when I called Delia back after Bernie dropped out, I asked her about Biden and what she thought of him because she had heard so much from the Bernie campaign. And I wanted to see if she thought that Biden could do the same or had done the same in terms of reaching out to Latino voters. For me, again, it was either or. I wasn't, I'm not opposed to Biden. Um, So I think he has to, in order to capture that group of voters, really address his message, but also like adjust his message to capture them. But she also thinks that the coronavirus pandemic has changed the race completely. I think it's a very different perspective post-COVID-19. Personally, right now, what's on my mind is how do we get back to life, a normal life again? The priorities she had back in January when I first met her were now very different. For Daniel, now that Bernie is out, he said he needs to do more research to see if Biden could be his candidate. But for now, I would be say leaning towards, you know, voting for for Trump for a second term. When I first interviewed Daniel, it was in February. And back then he already told me he liked Trump because he thought the economy was doing well. So when I interviewed him again in April, I asked, well, but now we have COVID-19 and the situation changed so much in the country. Uh, do you still like Trump? Do you still feel like um, he's doing a good job? I think all across the board, he's doing what he can with what he has. And um, I really think he's doing well during this um, unfortunate time as far as him holding the, the presidency. So basically what you've revealed is that Latino voters are complicated and unpredictable like most American voters. But you have to add in this whole other thing, which is, you know, surviving and living through a pandemic, COVID-19, that there are, in fact, people, Latinos and Latinas, who might vote for Trump in November So how does all of that factor into the presidential race? Yeah, so I actually talked to uh, Chuck Rocha, the senior Bernie political advisor about this, and I asked him if there was any way that he felt Trump could actually get a significant portion of the Latino vote in November. And he told me that Biden will win the Latino vote. Because there's just overwhelmingly more Latino Democrats. But the difference between winning the Latino vote by 51 percent or winning it at 70 percent means flipping Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Mm -hmm. even Nevada. Like it's the key to so many different things. He said winning big with the Latino vote is really a key thing for Biden. Essentially what we're experiencing because of COVID-19, everything has changed in the way campaigns and elections take place in this country This whole thing of a movement with massive rallies or very, you know, micro-targeting, door-to-door campaigning, shaking of hands, knocking on doors, all of these things that were basically staples of American politics are now gone. So in the age of social distancing, there is a lot of talk about, you know, mail-in ballots in a general election. So let's talk, what have you been able to learn about mail-in ballots Yes, there are, I think, several uh, parts to that uh, answer. Um, I talked to Lisa Garcia Bedoya from UC Berkeley about this, and she told me that the Biden camp might benefit from Bernie dropping out because since Bernie suspended his campaign kind of early, that gives time for the Biden campaign 
to learn about Latinos, reach out to Latinos, especially in the middle of this outbreak. And that they are going to have to come up with an entirely new strategy of how do you do grassroots organizing? How do you educate voters about how to vote by mail? How do you reach out in a systematic way when face-to-face interaction is not possible? Lisa also told me that mail-in ballots are a challenge for Latinos. Latinos are the least likely folks to vote by mail. And mm. no one is certain why that is. Some of it, I suspect, is distrust. The idea you put a ballot in, in the mail and where does it go and will it be counted? And so a, a basic education effort will have to happen if we move to vote by mail to a large scale for folks who haven't voted that way. She said there will be issues with translation, um, to make sure they understand the ballot, and also to get them excited to vote. You know, you're voting by mail, but you still need to be engaged and excited to vote. So right at a time when there was a candidate who was really going after Latino, Latina voters and really harnessing their energy, you know, there's a whole new challenge, which is, you know, COVID-19, the pandemic, and complicated politics. So what happens now? Yeah, you know, Latinos have often been ignored. I feel they need to be part of the political process as anybody else for a true democracy to work. All groups need to be involved. So now this is a new challenge. I guess it will be up to the campaigns to see if they will make this extra effort. And I truly hope they do. Well, thank you so much, Giseli, for all of your reporting on Latino and Latina voters in Pennsylvania. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, Maria. Gracias. This episode was produced by Giselle Regatao with help from Miguel Macias and edited by Luis Treyes and Sofia Palisaca. The Latino USA team includes Antonia Cerejido, Janice Yamoca, Alisa Escarce, and Alejandra Salazar with help from Joanne Luna and Raul Perez. Our engineers are Stephanie LeBeau and Julia Caruso. Additional engineering this week by Leah Shaw. Our director of programming and operations is Natalia Fidelholt. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our intern is Julia Rocha. Our theme music was composed by Zenia Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, stop by latinousa.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again on our next episode. And in the meantime, look for us on all of our social media. Hasta la próxima. Ciao. Latino USA is made possible in part by W.K. Kellogg Foundation, a partner with communities where children come first. Carnegie Corporation, promoting the advancement and diffusion of knowledge and understanding. And the Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. I know, I know. I'm like, no, guys, I'm going to throw the phone at you. (sighs) I'm Maria Hinojosa. Next time on Latino USA. Afro-Puerto Ricans fight to be visible in the census. 
When you look at something like the census, you literally have to make a choice in that moment. And what people choose, I think, says a lot about the time that they live in and the way that they see themselves. That's next time on Latino USA. 